Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about what to do and how to manage your own feelings and how to support your child and help your child if you feel that they're really struggling socially, if you feel that they just don't have any friends or have very few friends. It's really painful for the child. In many cases, it's just as painful for the parent. So in this episode, I'm going to explore what to do, how to manage your own feelings, and how to help and support your child. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So let's talk about the a really the sort of toughest part here, which is when you're a parent, when you're a mom and you drop your child off at school and they leave the car and they've got their backpack on and they're walking into school and you know that most days they are alone at recess or they're sitting by themselves at lunch, your heart just breaks into a thousand pieces as they walk away from you. And from so many parents who I work with that have this issue with their children, it's heartbreaking for them uh, to watch that moment and to know that their child somehow finds the bravery and the strength to walk back into that school every single day. Or your teenager who goes to school and has very few friends and lots of weekends alone where nobody's texting them or inviting them to things or they know things are happening and they didn't get invited. Um, and to know that they just get up every day and continue on and find a way to deal with that is in some ways very inspiring, but also incredibly heartbreaking uh, for you as a parent. So managing your own feelings, I think, is one really big piece of this. And then we'll talk about some actual strategies that you can do um, that will really help your child. So I guess the first one is how to manage your own pain with this, because what ends up happening is when we're so concerned about something and we're really hurting for our child about something, that really kind of um, makes its way into conversations, either through tone in our voice or a look on our face. And then what ends up happening for our child is they have to deal with their own pain, their own concern about this, their own stress about this and ours. And what we don't want is we don't want our child to not come and talk to us and tell us about this because they can see how much it hurts us. And so they pretend that things are better than they are, or they just keep it inside because they can't handle our emotional um, frequency on top of their own. So it really is incredibly important to manage our own um, reactions and pain regarding this so we can be more available to our kids to help them. So first couple of strategies are let yourself feel what you feel. We, we tend to go right into how can I fix this mode and which parent can I call? And I'm going to talk to the teacher. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying your first step should not be action. Your first step needs to be going inward and literally putting the palm of your hand on your heart. Now, let me explain physiologically why this is important. Every single heartbeat is an electrical impulse. You're, you, we are electrical beings. We are bioelectric beings. The palm of our hand, um, it, when we put the palm of our hand over our heart, we're actually literally, this is not woo-woo, this is real. You're, you're closing your own circuit. 
So just the act of putting your hand over your own heart and relaxing your uh, shoulders, dropping your jaw, relaxing your tongue, breathing out actually will ground you for a little bit. So you actually start with that and then you go inward. You let yourself feel the pain that you are feeling knowing that your child is suffering and knowing that they're being left out or excluded or, or worse, nobody even knows they're there. That is devastating. Feelings are information. They are meant to be felt. They are difficult to feel. They are painful to feel. But the more you actually feel it and resonate with it, the more your body will kind of metabolize it, kind of calm that down, and then allow you to take your action steps from a place of response instead of a place of reaction. So really take a little bit of time, and you might have to do this multiple times a day. You know, you just, I don't know, your child just found out they weren't invited to something or they're, they're a teenager and they know from Snapchat maps, maps that a bunch of kids got together and they weren't invited. I mean, it's devastating. And in those situations, you can't actually fix it. There is no fix in those moments. And the older they get, the less of an opportunity there, there is to even influence or fix anything. So step one is just go inward allow yourself to feel and literally say out loud, this is what it feels like to love someone so deeply, so, so entirely and see them in pain. It is a normal human reaction to feel what I'm feeling right now. And if you have to cry, cry, let it out, let yourself feel it. You'll see that the body has these waves, these kind of, um, it has this natural ability to let you feel something and then the wave will crest and then it kind of lets you go. And it's literally metabolizing. You're, you're allowing yourself to process that feeling. And it might come in a few ways. Once you've done that, now it's a time where you can take action. So what can you do? Step one is you can always and should always use the calm technique to have a conversation with your child. Because you've managed your emotions first, it's going to be much easier to be fully present in from a place of love instead of fear with your child. Because when you approach them from a state of fear, uh, lack, scarcity, um, that's going to be a lot for them to manage on top of, of their own feelings around being left out and scared that they don't have friends. So when we don't take care of our feelings first, we, we fall into a few um, traps, which we really shouldn't. One is we often tend to approach our child from a position of cheerleading. Don't worry, it's okay. You still have your cousins. What about your friend from gymnastics? You don't need them. We can, we'll, we'll invite your cousins over. And, and the desire is genuine and it's coming from, you know, wanting your child to be happy and feel included. But what you're trying to do in that situation is problem solve, right? And what can often happen to your child is they will actually feel invalidated that somehow through you trying to solve this problem it means their original problem isn't as significant or as important so the more you cheerlead the more they either go well i guess my mom doesn't really see how important this is or my dad isn't really getting how painful this is or they can feel your own frantic energy behind that and they they're now processing that as well or they just feel invalidated you don't get it this is not going to be solved by having my cousins over you know, this is bigger than that. So, so you don't want to fall into that trap. The other trap that we tend to fall into when our kids are struggling socially 
is we we sort of launch right into what can they do about it mode. And this is a really hard one because I work with kids one-on-one, I often um, hear the, the other side of this from the child's point of view. And so parents do a lot of, well, you know, you can be really bossy and did you listen to your friend enough? And did you make sure that you, you let them have their way? And, you know, you do have that habit of blah, 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 blah. And what ends up happening is it, it, you're well-meaning because you want to give your child strategies. You want to give them actionable things that they can do so that they can make friends and keep friends. And you can see sometimes often when your child is suffering and struggling with friends, what they're doing to contribute to the problem. But it's this fine line between empowering your child and blaming your child. And for many kids, even just constantly um, coming at the situation that way, they can feel incredibly invalidated and feel very much like they're being blamed. And I, I have kids that say that my mom blames me or my dad blames me. They always think it's my fault. So that's a really delicate line that you want to, to walk. And so that's why the connected parenting model, the method of connection first, right? Then you kind of deal, then you present the problem and deal with the problem. Then you come up with solutions works really well here. So step one is you have to use the calm technique, which means mirroring, seeking to understand, not to be understood, showing the capacity and the, and the ability to sit in that painful place with your child. And I know how hard this is, but this is why I've suggested managing your own pain first, so that when you are able to do this with your child, you're able to be more present. You're still gonna be feeling the pain. You're still gonna be feeling a lot here, um, but at least some of it will be kind of um, managed a little bit. So it's not so overwhelming for your child. So then through the calm technique, you're literally not problem solving. You're just sitting with how hard that feels. And you're saying things like, you know what? That just sucks. That feels awful to know your friends are all together and nobody asked you. That's a really awful feeling. And you just sit with it. You fight that urge to fix, solve, explain, um, you know, circumvent. You just need to sit there. And that's one of the hardest and, mo and the bravest thing you can actually do for your child. And when you actually sit there for a little while and you let them feel and process their pain in a very similar way to you just did, they will learn a few things. One, feelings feel overwhelming and they feel really hard, but, but they will crest and it will get a little better. You will, they will naturally get it to a place where they'll start to ask you, could we have my cousins over? Is there something we can do? Can you, can you call my friend's mom? Did this happen to you when you were little? Now you know that it's time for the conversation to shift into action mode. Are there things that you can do? Are there ways that you can help? And we'll talk about some of those in a few minutes, but you're going to wait for that cue from your child that it's actually time to do that. With little ones, you can use stuffed animals or, you know, Barbies or little action figures to work some of this out and, and act some of this out. Um, if you know that your child can be really bossy or if they, you know, are sort of really exaggerated attention seekers that the minute that someone doesn't listen to them or pay attention, they go off into the corner and, and, and sort of hunch and sulk and, and, and keep looking with one eye to see who's coming over to see them. Um, you know, we know as adults that that maybe works a couple of times with kids, but eventually kids stop paying attention to that behavior. And then the child feels more alone and more upset that they're sitting there and no one is coming over. Or when the child does come over to say, hey, do you want to play? 
they still stay, up, stay upset. And when the child tries and leaves, then they're more upset. So those are things you can kind of act out with toys and action figures where you can really kind of through play, work out some of those situations and make sure when you do that, that your child is the one uh, trying to help um, and you're the action figure or the character or the stuffed animal that's sad. Um, you can kind of play out different scenarios that way. And that's a really great way with younger kids to work out things. Um, with tweens and young teens, it's more conversation-based for sure. Um, but you can also role play. That can be really helpful. Um, sometimes what kids need is a script, like sort of standing there waiting for other kids to say, hey, do you want to join? Or what did you do today? Or like uh, kids are not fabulous at including each other. So sometimes very simple things like saying, what are you guys doing? Or, hey, can I play this position? Like just come in, in flow um, can really help. Bring If they're younger, bringing things to recess, bringing a ball or a game or a particular toy um, that will draw kids to them can, that can be really helpful. Um, with your older kids and with teens, you want to spend a lot of time listening. You're going to fight that urge to say, well, what did you do? And what about the last time that happened? And you know, are you doing enough to, to put yourself out there? Are you walking around with your head down, giving a signal to everybody that you're not interested in friends? And, you know, you're going to have to fight that urge to really get into the nitty gritty problem solving and just sit with them around how this feels. When you get your cue from them that they're ready to ask questions or ready for, or seeking advice, that's where you can do it. With teenagers, I would always suggest wondering out loud. Like, I'm wondering if maybe this would work or saying things like, I'm sure you've tried this. I'm sure you've thought of this, but what about doing this? So you're actually kind of gently bringing them into the conversation. So it doesn't feel like, you know, you're the expert and you're going to give them advice. You know, we, we know from raising our kids that often they don't want to listen to us. You know, if, if we're trying to teach them something in school, oh, that's not how you do it. My, that's not how my teacher does it. Um, they're often, even if you're giving the best and most effective, lovely advice, sometimes because it's coming from you, they don't want to hear it. So when you invite them into, into the conversation as a participant, when you're asking their opinion on what they think about this or that, and if you tried this, what do you think the reaction would be? Um, that can be really helpful. Giving your teens really specific um, things to think about and work on, like watch the kids in school who are really, who seem to have a lot of friends. What does their body language look like? Um, how do they sound? Just get your kids to kind of pay attention to some of those things first. Um, that can be really helpful. Uh, a really interesting strategy. So for some kids that get overwhelmed with social anxiety, which is very common in, in tweens and teens. They get so overwhelmed when a conversation is happening, they get stuck in their head. Once they're stuck in their head, they're not tracking or following the conversation anymore. Or, and they get this stuck in their head with something like, why did I say that? Oh my God, that sounded weird. I, I, I think they just made a face. I think they're, you know, I think that I, I, there's a bunch of, you know, invisible language here that makes me think they think I'm weird or I'm being annoying. Once they get stuck in their head like that, they've now lost the track and the flow of the actual conversation that's happening. Anxiety goes up, frontal lobe goes off, which is the part of the brain that's actually planning and tracking and um, paying attention to what other people's, the nuances of the conversation goes offline because now they're in their midbrain, they're in fight or flight, that can be really hard. So simple things like 
having the child imagine when, or the teen imagine when someone's talking, literally imagine the words traveling down and being written on their arm all the way down to their hand. That will that can actually help them focus on what's being said so they don't lose the track. It gives the brain something else to do. Reminding them that breathing and dropping their tongue, um, relaxing their shoulders, um, doing anything they can to keep out of fight or flight and into a space where they can actually pay attention to the conversation can be really helpful. You know, this is a part of the conversation where they may ask you um, questions about when you were a teenager and when you were a kid, how you did things. Lots of validating here about how hard it is. And I, I do think that social relationships and social um, skills are are tougher for kid, the, kids these days because of social media, because they don't have as many opportunities for free play. There's so many opportunities where if they are with kids, it's adult driven. Um, and if they are online, it's all sort of, you know, verbal or through gameplay. So I do think there's, um, you know, just a lack of practice really in being able to do this. Um, I think the, so the key, you know, the key takeaways here are dealing with your own pain, metabolizing and working through that heartbreak yourself, being careful to to acknowledge that and feel that so when you show up for your child you're using the calm technique if you want a reminder on that the first two or three episodes of the podcast I go over that and how to have a conversation where you're fully present and you're not problem solving really being careful um, to not have an agenda driven conversation with your kids um, whether it's interviewing for pain, how was it today? Didn't that, who, who talked to you? Who did you eat lunch with? Like that kind of thing just becomes really overwhelming. And we don't want to set that dynamic up with our children. Um, waiting for the moment when it's time to get action driven, when it's time to actually come up with some solutions, do that, especially with your teenagers through wondering. Um, and then it really is okay to, you know, invite cousins over and organize certain things, especially with younger kids. It's okay to create some of those situations so your children have those opportunities. Um, it's much harder with teenagers where you, you know, they're too old now to be calling somebody's mother. Um, making sure you're doing lots of things, lots of things as a family where you're connecting, you're playing board games, you're enjoying each other. Um, it is, it is not a substitute for friends, but making sure your child feels really connected and really loved and really safe at home can really help to compensate. Sometimes this is a phase and kids just get on the outs and then they work themselves back in. Um, you know, sometimes it's something that you really do need to intervene and call the school and see what's going on. Um, if you're really concerned with your child then making sure that they get access to, you know, a social coach can be really helpful. We do that at Connected Parenting. Uh, therapy can be really helpful. Um, mentors can be great. And then the last piece that I just want to have people think about is sometimes you'll have a kid or a teenager that, you know, isn't into play dates and they'd rather, you know, they're so, they get tired. So they'd literally rather walk around alone at recess or, you know, as a teenager there, they'd, they'd rather be alone. So the, one of the important things to understand is, you know, is it a coping mechanism? Are they doing this because they're afraid to put themselves out there or they're just defending themselves from being rejected or being hurt? Or are they really just happier that way? Like, are they really, you know, introverts? If your child is on the spectrum, this will be something to think about. Highly gifted kids often 
prefer their own company sometimes. So just make sure that you're sort of figuring out, is this, more, is this a problem for them or is this more of a problem for me? Um, you do want in those situations for kids to practice their social skills and put them out, put themselves out there a little bit. But if they are happy being alone some weekends, um, that it, you don't want to make that a bigger problem for them than it actually is if it's something that they're actually quite happy with. So just really running a check on that. So this is certainly one of the most um, heartbreaking and painful things a parent can go through to watch their child suffering to watch their child be alone and to feel so helpless and powerless. Um, it is really one of the most challenging uh, things you can go through as a parent. So hopefully this helped a little bit. If you want to do a deeper dive into the calm technique, which really just helps strengthen children from the inside out and just really gives them the tools that they need to, to handle life because life is gonna always throw things at them. Um, you know, connectedparenting.com, we've got lots of information on there. We have team of amazing therapists and uh, coaches who can help you on your parenting journey. We've got the Connected Parenting Village where parents are helping each other and there are people, uh, there are certified connected parenting practitioners in there helping you work through all these exercises, ask lots of questions, get answers and support. Um, got my books, I've got two books um, which are available and kind of go deeper into the connected parenting um, technique got lots of ways to help you on your parenting journey. Thank you for listening today. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.